What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Backyard GM Podcast. I'm your host, Darius Brockett, and we have a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. We're going to shout out the Julio Recruitment Agency of everybody. Shout out Julio Jones. The year of the NFL comebacks, and we're going to do a deep dive into divisions, so we're going to break it down. We're going to start with the AFC West, and we're going to talk about that, those teams in the offseason, what moves they made. And what's going to be interesting and probably at least how I see them finishing and who's going to actually win that division overall. And then we're going to take a look at the NFL 2022 draft prospects. And I got five guys I think we should be aware of. Some of these guys you know already. Some of them you should get acquainted to because they're going to either make a huge jump this year and could possibly be on your favorite team. I'll see you guys after this. guys already heard the news that julio jones is most likely going to be out of atlanta and we heard him on uh undisputed show with shannon sharp uncle shannon calling him he said i'm out of here he wants to play for a winner the story is how him saying that has obviously hurt some of the trade negotiation conversations amongst people but i don't care i i don't care i don't care at all because he's going to be gone regardless but let's let's first shout out the recruitment agency teams here aj brown makes a fucking tiktok on why he should come to Tennessee and at least argued how this team would be so much better with him. And he's not lying. He's not lying at all. But it's amazing how soon as the news of Julio Jones wants to be gone, everybody and their mother was like, hey, we got to find a way to get him. And then you got Jalen Ramsey going on Twitter. You got the Cardinals receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, talking about how he would take a pay cut and restructure his deal. Even fucking Travis Kelsey the swaggiest white boy on the face of the NFL. And I don't say, hey, I don't know who do we have to talk to, but let's make it happen. Let's restructure contracts or whatever. I'll get it done. It's amazing how Julio Jones, as much as the the mass media calls him old and talks about him, is he's still a top five receiver. Like, he's not the number one fucking receiver. It amazes me how soon as this news goes up, everyone and their mom, they say, hey, I give up my left shoe for this guy. i let you... A.J. Brown even said he'll give up his jersey number for Julio. If you haven't seen the TikTok, go watch it. It is hilarious. He's like, we got Air Tannehill. We got this guy who can throw the ball. He couldn't even sell Ryan Tannehill. That's what made it hilarious to me. Even Devontae Adams, he's considering not, he's considering even restructuring his deal. So the Packers get this done. And let's talk about that for a second. I believe if the Packers can trade for Julio Jones, this will mend the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. You're killing two birds with one stone. You get the weapon that Rodgers wants and also gets the help that Devontae Adams needs. Also, now Rodgers can come back freely knowing that you guys have done something to at least try to extend the olive branch to mend this relationship. So the Julio James recruitment is still going on. I'm pretty sure by the time this episode is out, I'm recording this on Sunday. So by the time Thursday gets here, we should either know more news about it or it will be official. But even today, the Seahawks are even making a play at this. And the Seahawks have a pretty good receiving core with just the two big guys in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Those guys are really good. They're, they're Tyler Lockett, I feel like we slept on him a lot. But the fact that Russell Wilson and Julio also work out together, and there has been talks how those two guys have at least jokingly said how fun it would be to play together, it's an interesting turn altogether. And shout out to Pete Carroll if you can get this done. 
shout out to you because the what you would have to give up for everyone to do things it would be very intriguing again the Patriots are still front runners for the Julio but everyone's doing all this pitching and selling and how can we get him it's it I enjoy it I like this auction for Julio Jones the Julio sweepstakes Vegas odds got the Patriots number one Rams number two Baltimore at number three two of those teams I talked about Patriots and Baltimore I think that is the prime location I think he'll go but it's just fun to watch. It's just fun to watch and hear all the stories and things like that. And now it's it's just interesting. But after that, Tebow's now been in OTAs. He looks freaking massive. He's been bodybuilding. Still looks sloppy. I'm going to be honest. Tebow still looks sloppy. But again, he has a lot to learn from then to OTAs. Trevor Lawrence talked about him. He loves the guy. He said, you're not going to find a better competitor than him. And I, I think we all know that. But as I bring up Tebow, the year of the NFL comebacks, I, let, let's clap it up for those guys. I don't know. Clap it up for those guys right there because Tim Tebow hasn't played a game since 2015, comes back to play tight end. Then out of the flipping blue, Kelvin Benjamin, who was only known for being six foot four, catching the ball from Jameis Winston at Florida State and him and Cam getting into it for a little bit on social media. He's going to make a comeback. And guess what? He's going to play tight end, too. He hasn't played a game since 2018. The last team I believe he played for wasn't Buffalo. I Well, that was the last team I can remember, honestly, was Buffalo. Then, fast forward, 39-year-old Brandon Jacobs. He's out here lifting all these weights. And at one point said, hey, I want to make a comeback. I love the game. But not only do I want to be a comeback player, I want to be a fucking DN. What? Dude, you were massive and scary at running back, and now you just want to flip over to play DN. He hasn't played since 2013, and it's hilarious to hear. But then he makes a tweet a couple days after he talks about making a comeback, how he can't stop eating all this good food. So I think that's pretty hilarious overall. It's it's hilarious how this is literally about to be the most interesting year for Tebow, Kelvin Benjamin, and what could have been Brandon Jacobs. But shout out to all these guys making a comeback. Uh, I don't care who you are what age you are, you can make a comeback, you can play ball, do it. And shout out to the opportunities that they're getting. I think Kelvin Benjamin obviously has a way better chance than Tim Tebow, but it's just fun to hear. So after this, we're going to do a division deep dive. Again, we're talking the AFC West. We're going Denver, Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs. I'll see you guys after this. Division deep dive, I'm going to do this every week until it's over with. Who, my prediction for the best team in the division, my prediction for the worst. So we're going to start with the easiest one first. Let's talk about the AFC West. I'm using the NFL power rankings. So again, I have those probably in the description or I'll just also tell you because I'm pretty sure you guys don't care. Let's start here with the Denver Broncos, right? Rank 26. They're, they're, it's, a, it's weird because on paper, right? This team looks like they can't do anything right. However, they they also have so much potential, and I think they're wasting a lot of talent. I think you're wasting a lot of these guys' talent. Jerry Judy, second year, he's going to be good. Cortland Sutton, he was freaking phenomenal. He's coming off injury. He's, he's supposed to be all right. K.J. Hamler, he's supposed to step into his own and being a prime number three option. And then Noah Fan tight end, which everyone loves. 
That is a young receiving core. However, I think that entire receiving core's talent is wasted. And I'm pretty sure when everyone's contract is up, two out of those three are leaving. Two out of those three are gone. Let's continue with this. Drew Locke. Drew Locke is on year three, and this is a make or break year. All eyes are on him. But I think it's unfair to look to do that type of critique and criticism, right? It's very unfair. Here's why it's unfair. In two years, this man has had two offensive coordinators, right? And it's the same thing how we looked at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had flashes in rookie year, like Drew Locke. Drew Locke played five games in that rookie year, but he was 100 for 156, threw 4,000 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. So you you see he has potential. He has a high upside. You fire the, the, the coaching staff or the offensive coordinator, whatever you call it, but in his case, the offensive coordinator. You fire those guys, you bring in new people. So now that's new terminology, new words, new checkdowns, new playbook that he has to learn again. He's behind again, unless he's a veteran quarterback who can just learn and go. In year two, he plays 13 games. He plays the 13 games. He throws for almost 3,000 3, yards, but 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. I get it. That's a drastic sophomore slump compared to the small sample size we saw from him. I think that's unfair, and this is why you're going to put him on this pedestal to make or break his year. However, let's see what he can do another year in this offensive system because now he has learned, hopefully, can he step into it. Because I, I, I love young Jeezy Drew Locke. Listening to the music, dancing, I like that because that showed he was willing, he can play, and all he needs is the confidence. And I think John Elway and whoever else is pulling these strings up front, you guys haven't been good since Peyton Manny, but you guys are also not allowing your team to grow, and you're just picking and plugging in people as they go. However, your defense is one of the things that can remain consistent. Why? Because you guys get Von Miller back from an Achilles injury. Hopefully, he's going to be the same type of explosiveness that he has had in the past. And I believe he will be because he's the leader of that defense. And you know who really is going to need help that's going to benefit the most from that help? Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb was a, is a really good off defense alignment. And I think because Von Miller wasn't out there, he had to have more on his plate. Also, they drafted Patrick Sertain, who was a true number one corner, which they need help in the secondary next to Justin Simmons at safety. He can lock things down and get it done. I think overall, that team still has a lot to build on, but you are in the right direction. Let's hope Drew Locke is your quarterback. Let's hope Patrick Sertain has a phenomenal year one. And Jerry Judy is, year two is going to be freaking fantastic. Year one was amazing. He still had his little ups and downs of the, the rookie curve. Overall, he was fantastic. Speed, hands, anything you say, he was doing it. Now, after this, next up, we're going with the L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers rank 15, has more of the higher upside than their counterparts in Denver when it comes to young quarterback because Justin Herbert, offensive rookie of the year, freaking phenomenal. If it wasn't for the doctors, let's, let's put it like that. I don't think he would have saw the field if it wasn't for the doctor mishap because once he stepped out there, he looked like he belonged. He played as if he belonged, and no one could tell him that he didn't belong there, and I like that about him. The offense is going to get better by adding a some O-line help in Rashawn Slater, and they also got a corner since Casey Hayward is gone. They got them a corner in Asante Samuel Jr., real physical corner. I like him a little undersized, about 5'9", 5'10", but he's still pretty good. He can hold down the fort on that side. I also talk about their defense regards. Defense is freaking incredible. Melvin Ingram, you got uh, Joey Bosa, you got Derwin James returning from injury, and now, like I said, you add Asante Samuel. So this time to bolsters the defense even more. 
And they had a pretty good defense. This team was able to handle their own. And Justin Herbert, again, I talked about how good he was. But let's talk about the game against freaking Tom Brady. He sat there and held his own. So I think you have to put a little respect on his name. They were ranked 15 on ESPN's, I mean, not ESPN, on NFL's power rankings. I think they have a huge upside here. And not give the Chiefs a run for their money, but they could be a playoff contending team if Herbert makes that next big jump that we saw with Josh Allen. Fast forward, we have the Las Vegas Raiders, ranked number 20. This team is very interesting because I'm curious about a lot of things. So I don't, I can't say I have all the answers for what they look and what their outlook should be. They give me a subpar team, like, well, you can't go 8-8 eight eight anymore, but like a 9-7 or a 7-9 team, it's very, it's very up in the air with them. Why? Because we don't know what they're going to do with David Carr this year. We don't know what they're going to do with David Carr the following year. However, they drafted a right guard with their first pick, and it was interesting because he could have they could have waited to get him in the second round. They chose to get him in the first. He is still a pretty good talent out of Alabama. Oh, I, it was just very confusing how they have things going on. Mike Mayock and Gruden, what's they? what are they planning here? Because everything looks weird. However, your offense is young. I'll give them that. Young offense. Henry Ruggs, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and you get John Brown. So what this tells me, at least based off how I'm looking at this team on paper, they're going to be a faster team. Henry Ruggs, we saw what he did. John Brown was actually phenomenal with the deep ball. We saw him in Arizona, and we saw what he could do in Buffalo. So I think you add those guys in Kenyon Drake, same way. We saw what he did in Arizona, and now and we saw what he did in Miami. I think he can be a really good help to Josh Jacobs so he doesn't have to carry the bulk of the weight of the team. And then you can set up, you can run the ball to set up the pass the way you want to so Henry Ruggs can get open on the deep ball because he has world-class speed, and there's not a lot of corners who would at least would be able to catch up with him in a foot race. So it's, it's very interesting. Like I said, I can't put my finger on it even if I wanted to. Last but not least, we have the Super Bowl runner-ups, 2019 Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, right? I don't think they ever want what just happened to ever happen again. First thing they go do, they release their all two key pieces of their O-line, and then immediately turn that around by offering monies to Joe Thune, who was a key piece, a key tackle offense alignment for the Patriots and then go trade for Orlando Brown Jr. because he wants to go play left tackle instead of right tackle and that's what they go get then also by drafting a center in Creed Humphreys out of Oklahoma already that tells me we're going to protect this 500 million dollar man Clive Edwards Lair great pick last year he's going to be back and better than ever and I think it's going to work there's not much you can say about this team because they're perfect the way they are I think the most you can worry about is on defense they are a very physical defense very hands-on defense Tyron Matthews gonna get it done I think what the problem with Kansas City overall is expecting Patrick Mahomes to always be the guy who can bail them out I think we need to see other people step up because in that Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes was literally butt naked out there he was by himself he was under pressure, the fact that they said he scrambled for over 100 yards, 100 yards behind scrimmage, and just the throws he made, it was impressive. I think that's that's the issue. So Kansas City, I think what this offseason for them is, let's A, protect Patrick Mahomes, and B, let's find a ways to have other playmakers outside of him who can also help. 
Because Tyreek Hill is only as good as he is if the ball's in his hands. So the same thing goes for Travis Kelsey. Same thing goes for Mikael Hardman. Same thing goes for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. However, let's find a way to get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands fast enough and quick enough or create enough plays because Andy Reid will definitely do that, create plays where he doesn't have to be the center and focus of attention. Overall, we already know how this stacks up. But in my eyes, my prediction for how this division looks, we have Kansas City at 1. Chargers at two, Denver at three, Vegas at four. Because Vegas, the Raiders have such an odd team. I don't really know how what their plans are. I know they're trying to become a speed team, but I don't know what John Gruden is really planning to do. And as far as their defense goes, they only really brought back. They got Casey Hayward and then get Carl Joseph to come back after being gone for a year. So overall, I see it as... Chargers being a sneaky playoff team if they are good enough. Obviously, the Chiefs being the best team over there in that division. That's about it. There's nothing too flashy here. I wish Drew Locke has a a breakout year so he can. So now Denver officially has their quarterback. But other than that, that's how I see it. After this, I really want to talk about five guys who will most likely enter the draft this year who have played their butts off in the past year and a half during this COVID season. That are either going to be not really first, not all of them I look at as first round talent ready, but definitely have first round talent potential based off their impact on the field. So I'll see you guys after this. season is what uh 90 something days away 90 or 80 something days away i love college football one of my favorite sports more than i love the nfl but before we do that a lot of these guys are going to go to the draft next year and some of these guys you might have known already are household names and some of you guys don't know because either your team doesn't play them or they don't play for your favorite team there are five guys that i have that i want you to to either watch this season because they're on spotlight. All these guys will be on spotlight, and I think we need to know them. And I'm not saying all these guys' names as their guaranteed first-round prospects. No, these guys are really good athletes, really good at their position, and we could see these guys on Sunday making a full-fledged impact in the 2022-2023 season. So I'm going to start with this. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. I'm going with number five, Sam Howell, QB out of North Carolina. This guy has made a strong impression in his last two seasons, freshman year and sophomore year, by having a a total a total completion percentage that averaged out to what sixty six percent. That says a lot. Let's break it down. This past year, COVID season, I get it. Not everybody could play everybody, but this man was phenomenal here. Two thirty seven for three forty eight with a sixty eight percent completion percentage, a QBR one seventy nine, threw for thirty five hundred yards. And 30 touchdowns. The only person who was able to do that in their second year or have double-digit touchdowns within 20-plus touchdowns in their first two years in the ACC was Trevor Lawrence. And we see how Trevor Lawrence is going to pan out. So, Or we hope it pans out the way it should. 
again, strong freshman and sophomore campaigns. I think in year three, he has to be better. One thing that I would like to see from him more is his athletic ability. And when I say that, being able to run, knowing when to tuck it in and run the, run the ball. He had seven interceptions, but he had seven interceptions in back-to-back years. So it's not a huge improvement, nor is it anything wrong. Some of those interceptions, again, aren't always the QB's fault. Sometimes it's mistiming. Sometimes it's tip drills. Who cares? I don't. Because if you do, then you're lame and you're stupid. Because if you think all interceptions are is just a number, you are not watching film, and therefore you do not care how a person got it. Number two, well, number four, Bubba Bolden. Bubba Bolden, staying in the ACC, safety. He's coming back for his senior year. He was going to declare for the draft this past year, which would have made him a third or fourth round prospect. He said, hey, I'm going to stay, finish out school, and also bolster up my stock. Leader of the defense last year. We showed they well. I got to see what he did in the Clemson game. He had about two huge forced fumble plays that could have really changed that Clemson game overall. If Clemson wasn't Clemson, seventy-four tackles in total this season. Only took away one interception. However, four fumbles in total. Four forced fumbles in total. Very physical guy. Six about six two, six three. Very hands on. First thing that I liked about his game, he can play. He can also move down into the slot. That's a big jump now because how the NFL looks, you would like you to have a safety who can stay up top and be the last guy defense. But also, if you want him in certain man cover situations, you put him there. So he's under my spotlight because, A, you don't come back for your senior season, your senior season if you're projected in those type of numbers. Either you want to see yourself as a guaranteed first or second rounder or you feel like there's more you got to prove. And I think he knows there's a lot left in the tank that he has to prove in college football. I think he's willing to do it. Number three. George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. Just like Sam Howell, amazing freshman year and sophomore year campaign. Does damage. Both years he averaged over at least 12 yards per catch. This season alone, well, this past season, that sophomore year, COVID season. Thank, I want you guys to remember this because all these numbers are pretty impressive even when you hear them with a COVID-led season. 14.8 yards per catch, 36 catches, which was literally a weird time 513 yards six touchdowns again i put him under the spotlight because he will most likely be going to the league after this year however he did suffer a torn acl during spring practice so it's very uncertain if he's going to play this year or not i believe he's one you got to watch out for because if he is cleared by sometime in the middle of the season whenever whatever just that small amount of tape can put him in one of the top five wide receiver columns i think he is a top five receiver but obviously without him being there you can't look at the tape so you don't know where you would place him at and rank him and yada 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 him at least coming in there to disrupt anything that's going on and he's george's number he's he's george's wide receiver one let's put that on there first he was wide receiver one as a freshman so in freshman year he had 700 something yards 738 yards and almost what about same amount of touchdowns seven or 12 touchdowns in the COVID last season, he did a little bit less, but he was still impactful. Why? Because year one, people saw what he did. So now they said we got to stop that. Number two, Chris Olave, another receiver, but in Ohio State, coming back just like Bubba Bolden for a senior year. We thought he was going to leave the same time with Justin Fields. I would have because, man, you were part of a good receiving class. And I think he, I don't think in his mind he thought he was ready. So I can't judge him for that. Coming back for a senior season last year, he had a total of, 50 catches, 729 yards, seven touchdowns. Only played about what? In the Big Ten, I want to say they played seven or eight games. And he was still able to put up numbers like that. So imagine if he had 
those extra four or five games, he could be looking at a thousand yard season. Again, I don't know how much it's going to look now because they're Justin Fields is gone. You have a new quarterback and everything kind of hits the reset button. But I think it's interesting enough to watch. Number one for me, I am a huge fan of defense, more specifically in the secondary. Uh, Cornerback Derek Stingley. He came in his freshman year with another corner, and those guys are still together. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that guy has some dog in him. And you don't go to LSU if you ain't one of the best DBs in the country. Switching from number 24 to number 7, you're the best player on that team. You're the best player on that field. He's following the Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, Grant Delpit. He's doing it all. You're going to put him out. He's going to make something happen. In seven games, he recorded 27 tackles and a forced fumble. And his freshman year, 2019, he had about six, he had six interceptions, which was the most in the SEC in that time frame. Man-to-man coverage, corner. He's very physical, very hands-on. I like his game. I think these are guys that you should watch. But him specifically, a first-round talent corner, he's definitely going to be day one off the board. I hope this season goes freaking phenomenal. I hope he dominates this season. I hope everybody dominates this season, first and foremost. But him, this man's going to have to be in a lot of award conversations. He's my dark horse to win Heisman. I said it here first, dark horse to win Heisman, because I'm tired of all these quarterbacks winning or offensive players. Let's get some defense involved. But overall, five guys I think we should all – Get acquainted to watch when the season starts. Look at those guys. Watch those guys specifically. And you can't tell me they won't be on the field somewhere on Sunday. But that's my time. I want to thank you for listening to the Backyard GM podcast. Again, I'm your host, Darius Brockett. Uh, all my links will be in the well, not my links, but all my social media fo- handles will be in the description. If not, I think one that I can give you that one that's usually not in there. Is my Twitter. You can follow me at Darius Brockett. On IG, you can follow the Backyard GM. So it's Backyard underscore GM. And you'll see it. It should be like the first one that pop up. I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Hope you guys enjoyed the rest of your week and your weekend. And tell me what you guys think about this. You'll see me do this more and more often. I just want to enjoy myself. So I'll see you guys after this.